Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Our guest today is Greg Jones, Chief Technology Officer of MobileSmith Health. Greg Jones spearheads technology innovation in the design of MobileSmith suite of mobile solutions. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. My day job is Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments. Z-E-L-I-S, Zealous's mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and claims. I also serve as the Communication Committee Chair for WEDI, that's W-E-D-I. WEDI is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. So I don't know if you're like me, but I'm using my mobile phone for everything uh, lately, right? We're using it for our restaurants, what to eat. We're uh, taking vacations with our mobiles by (laughs) watching uh, videos of of, uh, national parks. And uh, we're starting to use more and more our mobiles to think about our health and uh, to get us around hospitals and to book telehealth visits. Uh, So this is why it's a great time to talk to Greg about Mobile Smith Health. Uh, and what he's working on. Greg, uh, very happy to have you on our show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Good, good. And I'd like to dive right in and ask you a bit about your own personal journey, how how you got into healthcare and maybe how you got into the the, the mobile app uh, part of healthcare. Uh, it's at some point in your past, I think you worked in a, a Navy submarine. Do I have that right? Yes, that's right. So that's where, that's where I really started my, my adulthood was in... Um, was in nuclear submarines, and at that time in the late 80s, there was really only a few computers on board, and I jumped to the opportunity to manage the programs that were running on it, and um, and so right after that, um, it really I didn't feel like. Um, well, I talked to my my officers on board, and I and I said, "What do you think I should do next?" And they said, "Go to engineering school." get out of the Navy, go to the engineering school. And I took their advice and I went to electrical engineering school and I realized I had a knack for computers compared to electronics. So I started my career in engineering and, but I ended up in the careers of, um, of IT and I really enjoyed the business from the business analysis side all the way through to creating solutions and developing solutions as a programmer. And so I did that. Um, I ended up being CTO at um, the state of North Carolina's Department of Public Safety, and I also was, um, which also included law enforcement and emergency management. Um, what I was trying to do throughout my whole career was improve technology, and and basically improve business through automation. So the state of the state government is a very complicated and a great challenge to try to improve uh, technology using technology to improve process for the standard citizens of North Carolina for me. And and I did that and we were we had a lot of successful programs that really accelerated uh, technology and, and software development processes. And when I had the opportunity to uh, come to MobileSmith um, at the time, it was really about um, taking mobile to the next evolution of technology 
where where isn't mobile at today? And that sounded like a really nice, I, I, a lot of things I do is based on mission versus just technology. So the mission was very attractive and the technology was obviously there. Um, it was, it's very, it's a great challenge as well. So that's kind of all those little pieces kind of made for the recipe that brought me here today. Huh. I, I love the fact that you started as a, as a, you know, the joke about a nuclear physicist. You might not have been a nuclear physicist, but you were uh, working on a, a nuclear submarine. And, and, and from your experience uh, at the state level, and it, it sounds like you were uh, uh, involved with uh, public safety, right? And police. Is there, is there, um, is there, Issues that you learned uh, thinking through technology at the state level and about police that you brought over uh, to think about healthcare, or is healthcare a whole different animal and you just can't apply the same uh, the same kind of uh, things you learn about a different industry or a different sector to healthcare? The 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 fact that it is um, that there's a lot of connection with federal government. As, and private sector, the, the joining of those two worlds um, was very easy for me to understand and to and where it might really deflate a lot of people to see that there is no way getting out of getting to tomorrow to where we really want an idea to excel. Um, that is what that is what public safety is all about is we always have to for public safety, we have to stay ahead of the bad guy. So technology is a very easy way to do that. And and so um, but how do you make sure that it's safe, that it's that it's conscious, that it's that it actually provides and supports the mission? Because the first thing about public safety is safety of life. So it's not getting the bad guy and putting me in jail. Um, and that's one thing that I was really glad to, to know when I went to public safety was it's about. It's about first responders. It's about safety of life. So in healthcare, it's also about that. And so now it's coming to, well, where is technology today when it comes to making a patient more healthy? And with that health question, well, what does that mean? And that's that's the challenges that we're dealing with when it comes to remote patient management and mobile apps. And how much of that information really needs to be tied to, um, how does that really need to be tied to a provider's EMR and the information that the, that the provider is getting as well? And right now, it kind of reminds me back into the days, I didn't mention this, um, back to the days where I was in GIS um, data with the Department of Transportation. I also did some time with the Department of Transportation. And we had different ways of doing surveys. There were survey-grade um, GIS devices, and then there were recreational-grade or recreational grade devices. Um, you wouldn't create a map using a recreational device. And that basically is, if I stand on a point, I could be 10 feet off from that point. So that So if I was to draw a road based on that level of technology, uh, the road would be very, very hard to drive on and very, very hard to maintain. <laughs> but what we could do is with that, we could we could accept the level of error that it was, and I could I could still draft a path of what survey level uh, 
monitoring could be done. And it's kind of the same with healthcare. I'm not asking or thinking that me as a patient should be able to put my my data and my recreational devices and my recreational health tools into an EMR because that would be kind of polluting that world. But there should be a way that 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 data just isn't throwaway, that there is some value to it and that with the proper ability to share that data and not have it part of the EMR, then there might be some value into that. And that's kind of what started our whole journey in providing patient pathway-based and remote, remote monitoring-based healthcare is to take that data and bring it into the EMR as a attached uh, launchable client in the EMR. So the data is separated from the EMR but it's still associated with the EMR if the provider or a nurse wants to see it. So that's kind of, at the end of the day, that's a very simple, simplistic perspective of how that data can be shared uh, from a patient all the way into an EMR. Gotcha. So I heard heard two interesting things there. First, uh, I thought it was very interesting that you are coming from government, uh, both the Department of Transportation and, and your um, your state work, um, which is interesting because there's so much data in government. And certainly, if we're going to conquer this healthcare data and and consumer driven healthcare and everything we're talking about, then there has to be that marriage of government and corporate. And and you move from the government to corporate, I think, with that view. The second thing you started to talk about uh, was things that are not uh, necessarily um, don't belong data that doesn't belong in the EMR. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Maybe give us an example of what kind of data you're talking about that might help a nurse or help the the the, the holistic healthcare uh, uh, goal there, uh, which doesn't belong in the EMR. Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that that we have today, one of our products that that we have is a, a product called Periop, and it's designed to take the the documentation that a patient is handed in preparation for a surgery or for a a post-procedure recovery process and take that documentation and replace it with with specific tasks and measurements and what we call health trackers in a mobile app. So in preparation for a a surgery, um, the the tasks that that need to be done, they can be done with, with the proper amount of time before the surgery. What that allows for is if a, if a patient does not provide or, or states that they've completed those tasks, that gives the nurses the capability to notify that patient, hey, have you done this task? Uh, it's, it's showing in our system that you're not. So our system provides a dashboard in their EMR with a list of all the pathway, we call them pathways. They're patient pathways though, uh, with a patient pathway in which the nurses to see which patients that are up for surgery soon um, are in violation of certain tasks. What that can do is that could, that could prevent the patient from being, still being able to, to have that surgery at that time. They will have to reschedule that surgery. And having that information much sooner would allow the reduction of unused surgical um, 
uh, OR environments where a patient shows up, hey, did you eat anything today? Because you're not supposed to. Well, all I had was a piece of toast this morning. Well, I'm sorry, we're going to have to reschedule your appointment. So that's a lot of costs to to the provider. Um, and the patient, had they known a lot sooner, had they had the, a better tools and better communication that really didn't impact the hospital, that chance for that, that surgery could have happened in a much better way, number one. Number two, if the surgery went well, and now they're having to do post-operative care, well, is there a way to track and help them track that they are getting better? So if they have to do exercises, say they have some they have some procedure done that requires them to do exercises, are those procedures, are those exercises being tracked? Are the if you have to drink a certain amount of water, are we helping to make sure that you're drinking that water, medications, all those things? And that's just one procedure for one patient. And if you multiply that by the ten thousand procedures that happen in a large hospital per year, and you multiply that by the amount of cost that could happen uh, from Medicare or Medicaid if if a recovery is not performed correctly, you know, all of that HCAP scores uh, being impacted, all of those things by simply just providing a mobile app that can help that patient stay responsible. I think most people want to be responsible I know when I get up in the mornings, um, that my phone is one of the few things that I pick up in the morning. Cup of coffee, obviously, is another one because um, I am in technology. So I'm, I think I'm required to drink coffee. At least that's what I've told myself for the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the you know, and one of those, if I have a procedure coming up, you know, it's just nice to have an app to say, hey, here's what you have to do today. Or here's what you have to do this week. Or nicely, hey, congratulations, there's nothing you got to do this week because you did it all or there's nothing yet to do. So it's a very stressful time for a patient. And so this app provides a lot of that capability. So that's just one of the things. Then we talk about how one in three people in the United States have a chronic care condition or a chronic disease issue. And so we have a chronic care solution as well that helps to have have that ongoing health tracking and monitoring going remotely. And with that, then, we're giving back health responsibility back to the patient themselves and giving them the tools so that they can see that they're being responsible. I know with healthcare, it can kind of be a hit or miss of what this whole, with all this data means. So having that capability in the palm of a patient's hand, allowing that patient to be more and more responsible is a good way of ensuring long-term health for a patient, wellness of that patient. On top of all that, now we're talking about remote health and that patient might need some help. So that's where we have your caregivers. So having remote care management on top of that data is another capability. And so, and we're not even talking about EMRs. We're basically just talking about kind of what all of the new policies are that came out this year is how do we make sure that patient data is available to the patient to maximize the health of the patient? And so we're kind of, 
So that's what I'm basically talking about. We have already been on that bandwagon, hoping that um, the policies that have just been passed would allow us to even be more flexible. So it seems like we're in the right direction that the government and the private sectors are agreeing to, which was great to hear. And so we're just continuing on the journey of trying to help each patient be more responsible and allow them to be more healthy every single day. Right, right. And it sounds, you know, you're absolutely on a wave, right? Because um, that is absolutely where all the government legislation is, the Transparency Act, the Interoperability Act, even the No Surprises Act. Uh, uh, all of those are saying, get the data to the consumer, get the data to the patient. Uh, I, You know, when you give your example, I think about, you know, anytime I've gone in for a procedure, they just hand you a big pile of papers, right? And they say, make sure you read page 10 and you do this the night before, right? Right. And so, the idea of going through those papers is just so it's definitely definitely good for the patient. You've talked about the efficiencies for the hospital and how how time can be saved. And then it also sounds like, you know, you're saving lives, too, because if I wasn't supposed to have that five course meal before I went in for my uh, operation, then, uh, you know, my, things might go badly on the on the table. Right. Right. So it has to be valuable for the provider as well. And to your point, though, I was I was on a call yesterday with a with a, a cloud vendor and it was one of those 30 minute calls. So, um, so I had somebody talking to me and she was nice enough to go look at our website and she's like, boy, I just had a procedure. I really wish I had this when I went through that procedure. And I said, did I, let me guess, did they give you a whole bunch of paperwork? And she's like, yeah, they did. And, and it would have been nice just to have a nice clear list of things I had to do and when I had to do them. But the other side of it, is okay now the patient is is getting more information is getting is getting all the information in the palm of their hand they are responsible um, can i tie that with all of my iot devices that i'm working with if i have to do steps does steps matter um, well for a lot of patients just having that data and knowing that that data is tracked is excellent motivation for the for the for the patient to maintain what basically to keep their word, right? So they, they, if I know that I have an app that's tracking me, I'll, I tend to get up and get going. Um, not because of any reason, just, I just, I want to keep that trend going and I know it's good for me. And I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing if I'm recovering from a procedure that's asking me to do such activities, such exercises. But the other side of it is that we have to make sure that it's a value to the provider as well. So put the data into the EMR, but keep it separate from the EMR is a goal of ours. So the beauty of most EMRs nowadays is it allows third parties to integrate their solutions into their into the EMRs. So the data is separated from the EMR data. It's available per patient. And with the new rules where a patient might request all this information, we need to be able to make sure that that data can be accessed easily and produced for the provider when they when they're wanting to or having to send it back to the patient as well uh, being able to answer like questionnaires um, that's another thing that we have in our, our solution so is there a better way of handling forms that are basically more remote and with the pandemic um, it's it it's woken everybody up to the fact that healthcare can be remote and 
now the tools are there and the and the exped, they have been expedited in delivery of those tools simply because of the pandemic. But can I do everything remotely without having to fill out a form and hand it to somebody? And so that really is a is a big catalyst in our technology moving forward. I tell you, Greg, if you if your uh, company can figure out how to uh, get rid of all those forms, and I just had a friend who had to get a provider signature on something, so they actually had to go into the physician's office uh, and get that signed. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Greg Jones, Chief Technology Officer of Mobile Smith. For now, let's take a quick break and hear from our producer, Michael McNutt. Witty invites all healthcare IT professionals to register for our Quest for Health Equity, February 23rd and 24th on Zoom. Thought leaders in the fields of health IT and public health convene for a two-day forum addressing the value and importance of data interoperability in eliminating health disparities in the country. For our keynote presentations, we're excited to welcome two of the nation's most influential healthcare leaders and health equity advocates, Dr. Georges Benjamin, Executive Director of the American Public Health Association, and George Halverson, Chair and CEO of the Institute for Intergroup Understanding. This meaningful and valuable event features speakers from CMS, Siren, The Gravity Project, Harvard Medical School, AHA, and more. Review our full agenda and register at weedy.org. Enter the code PODCAST to receive 20% off your registration fee. Sign up today for the Quest for Health Equity, February 23rd and 24th. We're back and we're talking with Greg Jones, Chief Technology Officer for Mobile Smith Health, on another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. So, Greg, um, uh, you know, uh, it's great. You know, we just came off a pandemic. We're all using our mobile phones. Uh, where do you think healthcare is going to be in three, five, ten years? What's your What's your ideal picture there? So, in three years, um, I think already this year, AI is is definitely has a, has a big step forward in a, in that. Um, but to make AI even better, we need to we need to have the health information exchanges that can utilize anonymized data better to have more intelligent AI. And so that's that's the number one issue. That's the number one advantage I think moving forward. Um, but that's still um, that's still magic to most patients. So that's but that is the big thing. So, so tell me about that. What's the? How do you define AI? And maybe give us an example of how IA, AI will be utilized. Uh, so I can give you an example of how it of how. Um, let's just look at um, another industry like like um, like I used to work for a a pharmaceutical company as well, and we were doing DNA uh, DNA single nucleotide polymorphism identifications or SNPs. And so those SNPs helped us understand if somebody had that that rare protein in their DNA that they could have a disease that nobody else would have. And so systems like 23andMe and Ancestry.com, those things that came out were able to kind of were able to take those DNA identifiers and kind of see what the outliers were to help an individual potentially. Um, look for things prior to 
prior to, you know, chronic symptoms appearing. And so, and that was, that was, you know, I would say 10 years ago that that technology was, was happening. So now with AI and population health, uh, machine learning is identifying based on this behavior, based on this data. It looks like people that have had similar data have also, and they have, with historical data, they're able to follow what the outcomes were for certain people. With a large enough data set, they can come to a very reliable, predictable uh, summation of what additional patients have that might not have completed the entire journey, may have just started the journey. And so down the road, it could be more of more tests, more awareness of exactly what somebody needs to look at. And I'm, I'm, I kind of fit into the, the belief that I am, I am no different than anyone else. So when it comes to health, when it comes to uniqueness, um, there's only there's there's a certain thing that that's going to happen. Um, I think right now actually there's a company that's doing a sound based COVID nineteen tests based on what your voice sounds like, hmm. and so um, it's just amazing. It's like yes, let's let's keep going with that. Let's not let's not trust that it's hundred percent effective without a large population. But if I as a patient could reliably know if I feed into the system my information and that information can then be put against a large population for AI analysis and I can come back with probabilities that I have certain situations, um, I might go to the doctors more often. I might say, hey, I need, can we get more blood work because I'm concerned about this or that. Um, right. It's it's basically more information and it's it's taking away the idea that my doctor owns my medical record. I have no idea what's my med what's what my medical record looks like. I hope the next time I meet with the doctor, everything's going to be fine. We're getting, we're getting way far away from that to where we have real time mobile apps that are connected to the EMRs to where now I'm even getting to a place where I have, I have uh, devices connected to me that might be sending IOT readings at all times to inform me, hey, especially if I have like I have diabetes, hey, warning here, you, you might need to relax a little bit. You're doing a podcast, it's very stressful, take a deep breath, you know, things like that, that are, are, are around today. And so in the future, in the very near future, uh, that technology is gonna be demanded, I'm hoping by the public. I'm hoping that there will be Companies that will be shipping uh, remote devices that because they need to get certain things. Instead of you coming in for a test, uh, they just ship you the device. They just ship you what you need to hmm. get um, the results that you need. And it's it's more of a of a of an healthcare ecosystem the same way retail is today. Right. So that's so, yes, so, sir. So you don't you, so we never have to leave our houses, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're actually so it's interesting right so you're, you're describing you know all these uh, regulations and provisions and and what they've been working on for the last 15 20 years about freeing the data right free the healthcare administrative and clinical data get that out and you're saying you know not only do we want but we also probably need machines and ai 
to sift through all that data and make it usable information. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, that's right. And then if I'm a, if if for example, the other side of it too is I have a device. I'm being it's being shipped to me. This kind of goes towards that retail versus versus technical versus FCC approved devices as well. If I have a device that is off and based on my trending, there is no reason why my value should be the way it is. Obviously, go to the go to the proper care that I need. Go to the urgent care. Go to the ER. This is not right. That's a no-brainer. Right. But it also could say, based on all of this data, there's something very different than your from your data. And so that's another thing that could I could go to an urgent care or to an ER and get something checked out way before I even knew it. And it could just be, oh, the device we sent you is a little glitchy. But now that we're here, let's take another test. I, I, I'm assuming that's going to happen. But I would rather do that. I mean, I've had a couple of COVID, COVID tests just recently. They're all negative. I'm not complaining. Um, especially now that I know more about my health and I know I feel better just knowing that my health is, I know what the status of my health is for real. Right. It, it reminds me, I think it was a science, sci-fi uh, movie where you get up, you take a shower, you're either wearing a wearable or your body gets scanned, right? And it says, hey, Matthew, uh, looks like you're low on iron. You better drink some more orange juice right now, right? Like it tells you exactly right. what you are. But given that, um, here we've got all this kind of uh, biofeedback on on where our body is and where things might be going off. And, and, and you know, we've got game theory where I'm, I'm checking my 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 uh, mobile, you know, once a day, not only to, you know, check my horoscope, watch the YouTube and the news, but also to see where I am on my stocks and my health. Right. Um, do you, is there is there a danger? And I've heard this with telemedicine, though it hasn't come out statistically to 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 be true, but is there a danger of overutilization of uh, healthcare? Um, you know, what, we've got tremendous prices and cost of healthcare right now, and and we're still lazy Americans when it comes to our healthcare. If it suddenly becomes top of our mind, is, <laughs> is there going to be overutilization? I think at the end of the day, um, you can't get you, you can't replace a, a a good practitioner. That definitely that will always be there. This is where I'm talking about is can we stop something before before I before today we normally go and get work done before I feel a little sick or I, I have symptoms maybe minor and then I go get help the ability to 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 block or to stop symptoms even before we know that they are occurring because AI can see that trend is to me a way of lowering costs in the long term. It's going to save lives. It's going to help. Um, it's going to help the longevity of, of human beings. I'm still going to have to go to the provider. I'm still going to take every suggestion that they have. Um, but it's really, hey, I this told me I should come and talk to you and find out really what's going on. Is there something going on or not? So to me, I see this technology not really replacing um, a provider's need. It's really going to it's it's going to change when a provider is going to be talked to, and that's going to also trigger then the the testing and the tools that providers are going to need to be able to detect things in a different way as well. So 
And on top of that, there's always just going to be the simple, the test that we have today. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that those will, will be just, those aren't going to go away. They're just going to be improved. But the patient is going to be more aware and be able to ask for help sooner. And to me, that's going to lower those costs. For chronic care, for chronic care conditions, for example, 70% of our healthcare is in chronic conditions. So if it's a, if a chronic condition can be reduced and maintained at a lower cost, if 70% of our $2 trillion healthcare is based on chronic conditions and we can stop them or reduce their impact on a person's life, that's a huge decrease in, in our healthcare costs. That's, so I that, see how there's a correlation between those worlds. That's a that's a that's a great uh, thesis. I think that's a great argument. And and actually, Deloitte just came out with a paper this week that kind of said that they said the more we're moving to remote uh, telehealth and uh, the more we're shifting our healthcare dollars to preventative measure. And of course, our healthcare dollar gets a lot more mileage off of preventative care than it does uh, when you end up in the emergency room. So that, that's a fabulous thesis. Right. Well, that's great to hear that really smart people. Think the same way, <laughs> yeah. You, or at least you got, think the way that I do. I'm not putting got, myself in their category, that's for sure. No, you got there first without crunching the numbers. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I very much appreciate this uh, important discussion, Greg. Do you have any um, any closing thoughts, and also in, maybe any resources or uh, things you think our listeners might be interested in? Um, really, no. I mean, um, if um, we really would like any feedback, if if anybody would help us um, make sure that we're, we're providing the best solutions for our, our patients and our, and our customers. Um, really, our mission is to save lives. That's really what it comes down to. And as a technologist, uh, if, if technologists are listening, it's not about what I built today. It's, it's, it's irrelevant of what I built today. It's all about did what I built today make a change in someone's life? And that's really what we're caring about. So our website and our products are, are there. Um, I, I, I can't really mention too many other places except because there's so many. Um, but that's kind of where it lays down is we want to make sure that we're providing in our, at MobileSmith Health the best products that can help patients and their lives. Very good. Great place to end. And I think it's an important reminder, you know, if you're in any element of healthcare, if you're in the technical side, if you're um, behind a computer, uh, whatever you do, it's all about uh, saving lives. It's a great way to uh, think about everybody who works in healthcare. So thank you, Greg. We appreciate your time today. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity myself. Terrific. This has been Greg Jones, Chief Technology Officer of MobileSmith Health. And this has been the collective voice of Health IT a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe.